He shoots, he draws is sponsored by the Westcott Rapid Box Switch. Isn't it time you made the switch? Do it today at www.fjwestcott.com backslash switch. Hi, I'm Corey Barker, and you're listening to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glenn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to another episode. I'm Dave Clayton. If you've heard us before, you know who I am and therefore you know who my co-host is. It's Mr. Glyn Dewis. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. It's all right. Yeah, not too bad. Um, so, yeah, if you've not listened to the podcast before, thanks for joining us. We're now on episode 46 as you're listening to this. Fast approaching 50, mate. As, right. as yourself. That's just flying by. You cheeky sod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way I've got three up. years to go yet. Thank you very much. Um but yeah, and obviously if you join us each week, thanks for sticking with us. We Each week we try and get you a really good guest. And this week I think we've we've got another cracker, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. You will have heard him introduce himself at the beginning of the episode, so you know it's Corey Barker, but we will talk about that. Um, it's been a really good week, actually. I've, uh, I don't know about you, I think you went to see... The new Queen film, the Bohemian yeah, we Rhapsody. went to we went to the uh, the IMAX because I've been so looking forward to that film coming out because when you saw the trailers coming out on iTunes, it looks like this is going to be like a concert. So me and yeah. Anne went to the IMAX up at the NEC in Birmingham, which is only half an hour away from here. Yeah, so we took and man, it was good. I know you saw it, but what an incredible film! Yeah, incredible. The only thing I'm a little miffed about is Frank Dorhoff went to see it and other people have commented as well that they all got like these little, um, you know, like when you go to a proper concert, like a, like, yeah, like a program. I didn't get, did you get that? No, no. No, neither did I. In fact, oh. I had the opposite of you. You went to IMAX and saw it on a massive screen like you were at a concert, which I heard was probably the best way to see it. We very, at the last minute, decided to go and see it last night, uh, me and my wife, Andrea, and the only tickets we could get were in the front row. So <laughs> I kind of had an IMAX experience because I was sat about six feet from the screen. But the film actually made me go boss-eyed. So by the seriously, by the end of the film, I had to watch the last 20 minutes with one eye shut. And when we left the cinema, I had to get her to drive home because I, was, I had double vision. No but way. It didn't spoil it. It was brilliant. And there was a little Easter egg I shared on social media. And I'd hate you to miss it because it really made me laugh. There's a part in the film where the band are in an office with their manager. Now, you may not realise the guy with the beard, who's their manager, is played by Mike Myers, who was... I, I, I didn't know it was. Hence yeah, why I didn't obviously. get this little surprise. So they're talking about they've just recorded Bohemian Rhapsody. And he's saying... No, no, no! You can't do the, you can't do this album. It's a concept album. This song is six minutes long. No one's ever going to play it on the radio. It's got to be three minutes. Bohemian Rhapsody. You are never going to get kids sat in a car banging their heads to that song, ever. And I laughed, Brilliant. and the people, are, some of the people around me got it, but it was obviously it. It's Wayne's World, and the, and the guy that says it is Mike Myers, and it was just one of those little things they tucked away in there that I thought was brilliant. But Queen went on to have a very successful career, and Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody did all right. And and four guys. No, it's one of those things that if you if you didn't know about it, you'd miss it. And I think if you know about it, it's you you're in on the joke. Yeah, I, absolutely. I brilliant movie. Really, really good. I would highly recommend going and seeing it. And actually, Dave, on the subject of movies, I know we are completely off track here. I saw another film this week in the evening. Me and Anne just went on Amazon Prime, and she said, yeah. "Oh, what about that one there? Let's watch that." Um, one of the best films I've seen this year: Three Billboards. Oh my God, that is a good film. Is it really? I've not there's, seen there's that a, yet. There's a little bit of language. Yeah. But oh my God, the acting is outstanding. The story is brilliant. I think it's kind of written by the same guys that did like the Fargo and stuff. The Cohen Oh my God. Thing, yeah. I don't yeah. I know if it was then, but I think there's some connection. But wow, what a film. Brilliant. Uh, anyway, that concludes this week's best films to watch <laughs> episode of He Shoots, He Well, no, no, hold on a second. That actually, that actually could be a good segue. I know some people hate that word, but it could be a good segue talking about movies because our guest this week is a complete and utter movie buff. He loves movies. He is. And I personally think he should get a job in the industry creating movie posters because 
the kind of artwork that he can do with uh, like dimension and Photoshop and 3D. He, he, I mean, he, he's taught classes at Photoshop World about making movie posters, and he did that one with Peter Hurley once, which was really good. But if I remember, I'll put it in the show notes. But yeah, Corey is somebody who. God, I've learned so much from. I've got his book. Uh, I think he even used a photograph of us uh, mucking about. Remember that he one did, we did yeah. a few years ago? And he made that uh, looper. Blooper. Uh, yeah. Blooper, yeah. yeah. The, the Mickey, um, Mickey take of the blooper, the looper yeah. filter, yeah. Some of the stuff he's done is just better than actual movie posters. Yeah. The the, co- the conversation I had with Corey, because we've been wanting to get him on here for quite a while, um, and then you kind of, all of a sudden you think, yeah, we've got to get him on. And then something happens, you think, we really now need to get him on because Corey's working on something, which he does, he kind of alludes to it during the chat. This is obviously one that I, I kind of flew solo with this one because I did it last night talking to Corey while you were out with Andrea watching Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. But there is so much stuff we covered with Corey, and there was some real nuggets that he came out with. And I actually made a note; I had my A4 pad out, and he, I said I wrote down this thing that he said. And even I think even he was surprised that he kind of rolled off his tongue. He said this one sentence, and I'm going to use. I said to him, "I'm going to nick this." He said, "All the money in the world can't give you creativity. You've got to want it." Yeah. And I thought, wow. I said that that was like brilliant. But the the chat I had with Corey. We did end up getting talking about his 3D thing, talking about yeah. how he works in 3D. But again, Corey's one of those guys, mate, that obviously we know. We also mentioned about that I fell asleep standing up holding a cup of coffee in his house. <laughs> uh, <laughs> true story. Uh, but we talked about how did he become the person that is doing Photoshop. And I kind of, and also I said to him the fact that he's one of these people that seems it kind of goes a little bit off off on a tangent and a bit left field you think i said he'll show a technique and very often the reaction to seeing something that Corey does is firstly wow yeah quickly quickly followed by what the hell made him think of doing that (laughs) you know what i mean it's like what how did he even think of that why did he even think that would work so we really sort of dived into how he has learned the real workings of Photoshop. Yeah. And we talked a lot about the 3D, but from my angle, because I think 3D sometimes is seen as... It's a little more bit scary. Well, yes, yeah, scary. The terminology is a bit odd. Um, but yeah, maybe your world, the graphic design, yeah. the illustration, that kind of world. And I kind of wanted to bring him around to the fact, look, what is the relevance of 3D for someone like me who's a photographer? You know, what? Yeah. And, and we talked about that. And by the end of it, I'm like... I really need to get to know this. And he's got a brilliant thing he's going to be teaching, which nobody else is doing. We've, he's checked it all out. Nobody else is teaching this. He's going to make 3D accessible for everybody. Oh, it's awesome. Because I know he's got his online channel, which we will put the notes in, uh, put the link in the show notes. Yeah. But also what you were saying about you being a photographer, me being a designer. And and when we had the chat with Aaron Blaze, is that thing it comes back to lighting and and something looking natural in a scene and Corey has just as much a challenge doing that in 3D because you, you can do 3D badly you know yeah. the same you can do photography badly so when you look at Corey's stuff and it takes a moment to think is that real or it's yeah you know it's so funny you say that mate I'm sorry for butting in, but tonight, as I, I was kind of out of my car, and I get a message come through, and Corey sent me a picture of something that he's created today, and it is a it's a beach scene. So you know, like you see landscape photographers, people like Nigel Dance and Thomas Hinton, yeah. when they're taking pictures on a on a sandy beach, and you see the ripples of the sand and the bits where the water's kind of wrestled, kind of nestled in the gaps, and the kind of all that kind of stuff. And then you got the sea, and then you got the sky. He sent this picture and he said, the only thing in this picture that's a photograph is the sky. Really? And when you look at it, you think, how, how has he done this? It looks like a beach scene. It looks like a landscape photograph. He's The, a the guy is unbelievable. Yeah, he's, I, I mean, we've seen him. We first got introduced to him through uh, Nap, through Kelby One, when he was the yeah. 3D guy. And, and, I, and to be honest with you, I've yet to find somebody in their teaching world that can hold a candle, hold a light to him. He, he's yeah, and just... also somebody who's teaching 3D the way he is. Yeah. But watch the, watch this space, what, what he's got coming. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Now, before we jump into the interview, there is something I wanted to mention, Mr. Dewis, because I know you won't. Your book, <laughs> your book, The Photoshop Toolbox, 
finally mm-hmm. came out. It's now available yep. through Amazon. And what's been really cool this week, uh, as happened with uh, Photograph Like a Thief and the first book, Photoshop Workbook, is people have been posting photographs of them receiving yes. the book. But what's been even cooler is we're already seeing it in foreign languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the amazing thing, um, the fact that it was released. And actually, on a, a little note on that one, mate, Amazon, I'm hoping by the time this episode has gone out, that Amazon have updated their shipping uh, dates because I know now from the publisher's Rocky Nook that they've actually received their copies. So people are now getting them through the post. So yeah. if it does say two to three months, it ain't going to be two to three months. It'll be sooner. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was already told by Rocky Nook when it was even before it got published and released, I think there was something like eight other countries that have already paid for the license to translate the book and get it out there. So, wow. um, it's been brilliant. In the last two days, two people have posted pictures of themselves with the book in Bulgaria, and it's got all the <laughs> the title on Bul- in Bulgarian. I guess I, I'm hoping it's right, but it looks amazing. And just I and I posted this on social media saying there is no better feeling, and you'll get this when your book comes out. Yeah. There is no better feeling as an author when you get great comments about a book, but when people are going on social media showing pictures of themselves holding your book. And it's in a different part of the world. It's just the best feeling. It really yeah. is. Oh, no, it's, it's great. I mean, obviously, I've only done my little bit to it and uh, and kind of seeing it in other languages, but still seeing it out in out there. I think that's the best feeling. Mm. Is it's, it, it's like anything. You just wait so long for it to come out. But um, yeah. it is out. Now... This episode that you're listening to is episode 46. We are fast approaching our 50th, our first milestone, um, which will be before Christmas. Uh, we've got a few good guests lined up as well, this this side of Christmas, that will go into the new year. We just want to thank everybody, and we'll do a special mm. 50th episode for this, but we just want to thank everyone. And one of the things we're going to do is we've been gathering some swag for you, some goodies uh, which will include things like a copy, signed copy of your books. Uh, I've got some books from Rocking Up. We've got some T-shirts. We've got a little bit of He Shoots, He Jaws swag that uh, we'll give away. And then come around episode 50, we'll be announcing on, on the social media and on the website and on the podcast how you can get hold of this stuff because we just want to say thanks. We want to give you some mm-hmm. Christmas presents. Yeah. So yes, we've got absolutely. that coming up um, and some great guests coming up. I'm still kind of pinch myself as some of the people who say yes and... And, know, we get, um, and we've got our first repeat guest coming up as well, which but, we won't say who it is shh, yet. Keep it, keep it yeah, quiet. Keep it quiet. Yeah. So, but <laughs> let's crack on. That's enough about us. Yes. Let's uh, make it all about the guests. So we'll start with our usual introduction, Mr. Dewis. I'll hand it over to yes. you. Thank you very much, David. Let's go with Corey. Who are you? Who is Corey? I am the glorious Hall of Fame Photoshop instructor. <laughs> no, I no. Um, I'm Corey Barker, of course. Yes, I am a Photoshop instructor, graphic designer, artist. You know, so many different things, and a book author, of course, just like you, mm. just like you, Glenn. Uh, so very happy to be here, and thanks for having me. Not at all. We've been wanting to get you on for a while, yep. uh, but I know that we were speaking, you know, fairly recently about a little kind of thing that you're going to be working on. Yeah. That's probably going to be released in the new year. So that kind of prompted to say, right, we need to get you on now. All right, so we need to get you on now. Dave sends his apologies. He's out earning man points tonight. That's why we're. That's why I'm flying solo tonight, uh-huh. just to do this. But I thought because I know this kind of things that Dave wanted me to to ask you as well. So let's just kick it off. I know we're mates. We've known each other for a few years now. I've you know I've been to your house. I've fallen asleep standing up with a cup of coffee in my hand. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> yes, that. you have. Yeah, is, <laughs> I do remember that. Right in my kitchen. Yep. <laughs> I was so tired that day. Yeah. But um, but. Obviously, we we know you from having well, we got got to know you because of the Photoshop world, the Kelby One connection. That's how we got to know right, you. Right, right. But as we've said to a few people that we've become friends with in this industry, we kind of know you, but we don't know you. Mm. So who is or who was Corey Barker before the Kelby One kind of world? What were you doing before, and how did it all start for you? Who uh, who was I before that? I was. And still today, am the biggest movie nerd probably ever. And I feel very fortunate that I've grown up and I had the childhood I had at the time I had. I was, you know, was born in the in the mid seventies, oh seventy four. You want to do do the math on that? Go ahead. Uh, 
Uh, I'm older than you, mate. Don't uh, worry. <laughs> so, but my I was, that means I was very young in the '80s, and those were, of course, a golden time for movies. You know, there's the classics that we still appreciate and watch today that still hold up. And I wanted to be a filmmaker so bad. I was so inspired by going to the movies and just being able to do all that. So I, I kind of pointed my compass in that direction early in my life, which way I wanted to go. And then I discovered I had a knack for art and design. And this was actually in junior high school. And I actually got into art, funny enough, as a dare. Um, there was a buddy of mine in school. They were taking you know, submissions to this gifted art class for high school. And a buddy of mine was said, I'm going to do it. He says, I think I bet I can do it better than you to do this test to the, get in this class. Well, I was like, all right, fine. So not only did he not get in, but I got in <laughs> with a higher placement score than most everybody that did it. So that that kind of like said, I got a knack for this. And I actually enjoyed it, you know, and, as you know, and I always heard early on, if you don't do what you're loved, you know, it's 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 just a job, you know. Yeah. yeah. So but, you know, that's where it kind of started for me. And then I was pursuing i wanted to be an animator disney animator and this is of course back in the days of hand-drawn cinema you and yeah, i was I, say you, this is you, kind you, of like pre-computer proper really, exactly really. you know you know and i both know for a mutual acquaintance aaron blaze of course he's been on yeah. the show of course i've known aaron for uh, quite some time you've known him for a long time too um he come from that world and when i met him and i actually met aaron first in 1992 when i first went to college uh, he vi- right. he visited my school, and we both Aaron and I actually both went to the same college, went to Ringling School uh, here in Sarasota, and um, yeah, yeah. he visited, and they were doing a screening of Aladdin, and that's where the first time I actually met him and uh, spoke with him, and then it was wasn't until years later that I met him again, and it says you remember when we met briefly at Ringling, and he vaguely remembered that, but um, but that's what- how, how how did you meet again? What was how did that happen? I actually ended up uh, becoming friends with a friend of his brother, Travis. Right. Uh, some years later, and then it got to me and Travis got to know each other. And we became friends, and then eventually met up with Aaron again, and that's when we kind of kicked it off again. And, Jesus, and remember that the, the world's a village, man. It really is. He really is just <laughs> unbelievable how that happened. Ended up going to a party at Aaron's place some years ago. It was a bunch of his crew. From, he actually worked on Brother Bear, as you know. Yeah. And it was yeah. a bunch of his crew from the film, and they were at his house. It just felt like I was mingling with like the Hollywood elites, you know, to a point. And but that that is where I wanted to go with it. But then my last year at Ringling, I discovered Photoshop. Um, okay. And this was my fourth year. I was an illustration major, so I was studying drawing, painting, and everything like that. But then I discovered Photoshop, and this was version 2.0 of Photoshop. This right, was okay. this is before even layers showed up. All right. Uh, <laughs> there really was a time before really, layers. Yes, there was. <laughs> and um, and I I started to see the potential of this, and really got in. And I and you had a lot of traditional artists at the time saying. Oh, be careful of those computers, man. They're, they're going to ruin art and everything like that. You know, and I think you and, yeah. you and I both know it didn't work out that way. It actually worked out for the better for everyone. <laughs> but once I was once I was in there, um, I dug in and really just started to think I wanted to be the best I can at this. This is going to be the future of design and illustration. And having been my background in drawing and illustrating stuff like that, it brought something extra to my computer background. So I became pretty good at illustrating in photoshop and this is what you know at the, at the time you're doing this then because obviously we're talking about this is um obviously now the photoshop we're talking yes computers are now coming into your your world mm-hmm. but back then because i i got involved in photoshop when i think it was i think version cs had just kicked in that's uh-huh. when they just launched the cs version that's when i kind of came onto the scene right now then that's when they did have things that we use now for like the you know the, the wacom tablets mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. did you have that back then and that's a genuine i don't know I mean, you're just saying you're doing like art and design using photoshop what did you use uh yeah obviously very the va- the very basic tools of course we didn't have um the expanded you know like you know i was in there before layer styles you know when you wanted to do you know pre layers and layer styles when you wanted to do something as simple as a bevel on text or a drop shadow you had to know this complicated channels technique um in order- oh, bert, bert was telling us we chatted to bert monroy not long back and he was saying you almost had to go into like the scripts yeah and learn how to do calculations and yeah. all that kind of Precisely. stuff just to create a drop shadow yeah. funny that you mentioned bert because uh, bert's another good friend of mine who i befriended you know once i got into this industry it was one of his earliest books as a book's called book called channel chops um i actually have one a copy signed by bert i actually i got him to sign my copy some years ago but i learned a tremendous I amount mean, the book's obviously dated but there's a channel on cha- um a chapter on channels i would still recommend to someone today 
Uh, it is one of the right. best chapters. It was written in the early 90s, I mean, right around the time Photoshop came out. And um, yeah. it's still one of the best books on channels out there. But, you know, that what I've another reason I feel fortunate having gotten into the uh, industry when I did is I saw Photoshop evolve. I saw what was added and came in and saw what was useful and not useful and everything like that. It's really been an interesting journey these past 20 years mm. to see where where it where it started and the fact that I'm still it's still one of my key tools still to this day certainly says something about uh, its longevity. So yeah, it's crazy. We think that before we used to have to wait maybe eighteen months until a stuff new stuff was officially released. Right. Yeah. And now I remember back when when me and you were at a conference in uh, in the states and that would have been one of the Photoshop worlds. They actually had engineers from Adobe in one of the rooms at the conference and yeah. people you know attendees as you know they were going in there talking about maybe some issues that they'd had mm-hmm. or maybe some even some ideas that would be good for implementing yeah. and then the guys were like coding it there and then yeah. and then literally just pressing send and then everybody who was on the creative cloud thing was yeah. getting it there and then yeah. across the world which is just crazy when you think about how that's changed now and it's you know the entity that Adobe has become, you would think that they have be they'd be so corporate and so high and mighty that you know they wouldn't listen to the user, but that's complete opposite. I mean, they do uh-huh. listen to this day. I mean, the software is what it is because of the users, not because of the engineers. You know, it's it's almost like we've rehearsed this. But we spoke to um, Dave Cross again, another mutual friend of ours. Mm-hmm. We spoke to him um, last week, and one of the things he was talking about was regards to the Adobe, the Creative Cloud thing, and how initially when that first kind of started out that he was hearing people saying oh that's it now now they've got our money on this subscription thing they're going to kind of not not put so much effort into developing the software and uh, right see that hasn't been the case because now we see that there's there's just so much stuff being brought out so much stuff in fact that it's hard to even keep up with it, isn't it yeah it's funny it's funny how humans are when something new and innovative comes along our first reaction is fear and we you yeah. know we have no idea and we're just no they're not i don't want to do that it's going to change you know and every almost every time it turns out for the better, you know, we, yeah. we we discover things we didn't think of before. The fact that, you know, the cloud links all these apps together and we can, you know, download fonts and, you know, and have a, a completely, completely integrated workflow throughout the program. Um, and the fact that they've got the AI on the mobile applications is certainly, you know, yeah, taking yeah, it to yeah. another level. And the fact that Photoshop is about to come out on the, uh, the iPad Pro. <laughs> I'm certainly excited about that as well. So, yeah. Well, let's just just rewind a bit then, because I don't I don't too far ahead. Yeah, so yeah. you you're on version two. You then this you then sort of realise this is something that yeah I can see my future being with this. Yeah. So what kind what kind of you know bring us up to date then? What happened from there on once you start to use Photoshop? Well, once I realised this was the tool I wanted to to do to use. You know, as an artist, the reason you practice as an artist, of course, is that you want to get past the technicality of the tool you use and just be creative with it. And that's what that was my thinking was, is that I want to be, I need to figure out this program inside and out so that I can be as the best I can with it. So I started searching out resources to learn. And, and of course, this was the mid this was probably 95, 96 mm-hmm. about the time. And there were obviously very little resources online, especially uh, there was barely print, you know, a handful of print media out there, but certainly wasn't anything mm-hmm. online as far as any training outlets or anything like that. So I was... I, I, who, who would have been the people that you'd look to then? Because you mentioned Bert. Who would have been the folks that were kind of like, if I want to learn this, I've got to go to these folks well, and, it, and listen to what they're it, doing? For a while, it was magazines, and it would be random articles here and there. Of course, I didn't really know any names of any popular trainers at the time. And it was uh, yeah. it was after I graduated Ringling. I, I got my first job at a newspaper. I was a graphic designer at a newspaper. Actual print newspaper, huh? Can you believe it? Um <laughs> But I got this job at the newspaper, and there one day at the at the paper there was a there was a brochure sitting on a colleague's desk, and it was a nap brochure. Uh, so for those who don't know, National Association of Photoshop Professionals. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I saw that brochure, and I saw that it was a resource for Photoshop training. I was like, "What is this? I never seen this." You know, I started looking into it, and I started, you know, of course, recognize, you know, saw that Scott Kelby and a few others and everything like that. And I started looking into it and noticed I had a membership, you know, so I got home and immediately got online, looked it up, became a net member that day. And then, yeah, from, I did, yeah. and then from there, of course, I was using the, the site as a resource, but then I started, you know, noticing that they were having these one day seminars, you know, here in Tampa. It wasn't until a few years later, several years later that I actually found out they were based in Tampa. Um, I was living in uh, Bradenton, Sarasota at the time, which is directly South. So I, um, you know, of course, went to a few seminars and I first heard about the first Photoshop world. And the very first one, I believe, was in L.A. that year and then or came to Orlando 
uh, the next year. And that was my very first uh, Photoshop world as an attendee. And uh, from there, that that's where that world of training and instructing, that's that's where I was first exposed to it. And really, it bit me. I mean, I went to that first Photoshop world, and I saw those guys on stage doing it, and people were in awe of how cool these things you could do. And it's just, I, I, was, I thought, I want to do that. You know, it's like, I like being an artist and designer, but if it, you know, if I'm, and I'm coming up with this cool stuff, I want to be able to do that up there. So I, um, pretty much dug in even harder. And I said, the only way I'm going to be that good is if I, I got to know Photoshop, like nobody's business, you know? So I spent the next couple of years doing that. And then it was uh, about four or five, no, wait, 2006. It was like, it was in 2006. They, on the NAP website, it was the Photoshop guys, of course. You remember the original Photoshop guys, yeah, Scott, yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott, Kelby, Matt Kluskowski and Dave uh, Cross. They were doing a show, Photoshop user, uh, for well, Photoshop TV at the time. Um, they did this uh, casting call for, hey, we're looking for the next Photoshop guy. Are you it? And of course, at the time, my I thought my skill level was I thought was pretty good. But I didn't know if it was that good. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I've got to try. I've got to do this. So I spent an entire weekend putting together a whole portfolio and a whole big presentation. We're like, yeah, sent it in. And this was two weeks prior to that no it was about two or three weeks prior to that year's uh, photoshop world in las vegas and i was already booked to go as an attendee and right. uh i got message back scott would uh, love to be in, in, he's very interested in talking to me at photoshop world because of course i let them know i was going to be there and then uh i met with scott at photoshop world had a great meeting obviously then i ended, ended up meeting with scott or matt and dave later on that day had a great meeting with them, and it was like a week later, a week after that Photoshop World Conference, they called me and uh, offered me the job, and uh, that's that's the direction my my career took, and I, you know, and it's it's been a wild ride since. It really has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One one thing you kind of like um, you said very blasé was the fact that you know. Um, you realize that it was a software that you wanted to do. You realize you see these guys on stage. You thought, yeah, I've got to really brush up on my skills. I've got to really kind of dig into this and I've got to learn Photoshop. Like it's like you just go and get a book and you read it. Yeah. Now you're, you're, you're kind of known. It's fair to say amongst all of us, we kind of know you've always been known as the guy that everyone, whenever they see you do something, they're going, what the hell made you think of doing that? Do you know what I mean? It's kind of completely left field stuff that you get these great results. You think, why the hell did you even think of doing that to get that result? How did you do that? Where where did that come from? How how did you? If you're saying here, I want to learn Photoshop, how how did you approach that? Because that's always something I'm getting asked. How do I learn Photoshop? It's one of those things. Actually, one of the first books I bought. Um, on learning Photoshop was one of Bert's books. Uh, it was, uh, it was, I'm uh, making a note of all these yeah, books. You yeah, know that, don't you? Yeah, it was uh, it was Bert's uh, commercial illustration books, the one with the white cover, um, and had a really cool illustration on it. And I and I started flipping through this book. It was actually at the bookstore, and of course I was on a budget at the time. You know, I, and this book was like fifty bucks, and everyone like yeah. So it really took a lot for me to buy it. You know, if I really when I really felt that at, at the time. But I'm thumbing through this book, and I'm thinking he's doing things I I never even thought of. And like he's using these filters, he, he he applies a couple of filters, and he's got a wood grain. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, this is come on. And the, so I bought the book, and I read that page, page cover to cover, uh, like three times, and got in into the software every time, every chance I got, trying different things, and it's just you know learning and how you look at the tools differently, and how each one performs differently, and then you just. Dig in, and you so you just kind of look for that inspiration. You got to be have that radar on, and you see something. You just kind of it's almost like when you have the palette of paints and everything like that, and you're just mixing colors and everything like that, and you discover, yeah, you, and you just discover something that you didn't you didn't see before. Uh, so it's it's really not a roadmap. I wish I could say that I did this and this and this and this, and you're great, but it it, it doesn't work like that. It's it there's that element of mystery. You've got to go and find what is it what it is you're looking for. And is it is it a case of like for you? Because I know this yeah. is something that I do. Whenever let's say there's something new that's been brought into Photoshop, they bring out a new version. Mm -hmm. I will always tend to go into menus and I'll look at the menu and I'll go, right, what does that do? Tick, turn it on, turn it off, take a filter to a you know, a hundred, take it to zero, right. take it to twenty-five and what have you. Just to play around. Is that is that kind of like your approach as well? And that's something I'd always teach in the when I was doing seminars myself and everything like that, I always tell people is this like when you see these sliders, it's like here a good example is the HDR toning feature. 
uh, right. in Photoshop. If you go in there and just mess around, like you're saying, push the sliders all the way to the right, all the way to the left, and just move those things around. That's there was a while there I became known as the filter guy. You know, I was just you know the one that would come up with these cool effects using filters. And the way I would come up with those effects is I would just it's imagine you're a chef in the kitchen. You just got a yeah. table full of ingredients, and they're all just random ingredients, and you just start taking things and mixing them up and trying different things. Most of it's not going to work. Trust me, I've yeah. I've had probably. Twice as many failures as I had If success. we're talking cooking, yeah. that's me for definite. Yeah. It never works. So you're going to have plenty of failures, but that's the, that's the fun of it. That's, you know, that, that's the discovery. You know, yeah. and once you make that discovery, you know, that, which is, or, you know, that, I kind of felt that recently whenever I uh, figured out how to make Photoshop and Dimension do something really, really cool. Which yeah, I, we'll talk I'll about be, that in a minute. Yeah, we'll, oh, you oh, know, oh. I just got a little teaser there. <laughs> so I've got some really cool things uh, brewing with that. But, that, but it's that mindset. You've got to go. And this is something I've always tell people. If you're an up-and-coming designer or even if you are a veteran designer, you've been at it for years, you got to make time for play. You know, a yes. lot of people get caught up in the seriousness of doing a job. And I get it. If you're doing it for a living, you've got to pay the bills. And I get that. But you've got to figure out a way to, to set aside some time to play. You know, and it's yeah. like you say, when new features come out, play with them. You know, don't don't. You, mess, you, you do know. a lot of because um, obviously you've been a, been a real kind of film buff. You love your movies yeah. and action movies and the superhero stuff. You do a lot of re, trying to almost like reverse engineering. Let's say you see a poster and a, like you reverse engineer the effects Precisely. and kind of like. Yeah, the kind of looks that you have, don't you? Because I, I do projects. I see a, a famous photographer's work I really love, and most people listen to this, if they listen for a while, I know it's one of my favourite is Anna Leibovitz. I love her stuff. Yeah. So I will kind of work on the style that she's got and add, add my own stuff to it. I guess that's pretty much the kind of thing that you do when you see effects, isn't it? You think, I love what they've done there, and then you trying to put your own style to it. And that's one of the key things I uh, that was part of my learning process um, all those years is that I would go in and... And I will always tell people, if you see an effect you like that's from a known artist or just a movie poster or something like that, try and recreate it as you see it. You know, I mean, I'm not saying recreate it and use it as your own. I'm just saying this is a tool to help you get better at the software. So recreate it as you see it. And then once you've got the tech, feel like you have the technique down, then you experiment with it and put your own spin on it and everything like that. And how does it add Mm. to your skill set and everything like that? So, yeah, I'd always tell people just, you know, you see if you even if you see part of a poster, you know, I like that text effect. That background effect is really cool. How do you think yeah, they did yeah, that or yeah, something yeah. like that? I, know, I thought it was really interesting. One thing that Bert said when we spoke to him, because I, I grabbed him when we were at Max and we kind of tried to find a quiet corner. <laughs> if you can, when there's 14,000 people Good around. Good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But one of the things he said when, when I said, look, you know, talking about how you approach using Photoshop and how he goes about teaching people was, Obviously, when we go to like the filter menu, each filter's got a name. And by that name, you think, well, that's what that filter does. Right. And the example he gave was, say, motion blur. So we think, when we first start using Photoshop, that's only to be used to give things the look of motion. Let's say a car tire or whatever. Right. Yeah. But he says, forget the name. He says, because that can almost put the blinkers on and you only think of using it in that kind of way. Now... Is that, is that kind of your, your approach as well? Because I guess you're pretty much heavily influenced by Bert, certainly when you were first starting out, and maybe, well, I guess even now. I 100% agree with Bert in, in that regard. It's just, obviously, I mean, you have to give him a name, obviously. If you had a list of yeah. filter A, filter B, filter C, nobody's going to play with it and everything like that. Obviously, that would be fun because you try something and, you know. But yes, I agree. Don't necessarily pay attention to the name on something. It obviously had to have it. But, you know, go in there and see what it does. You know, I, I agree with him. I, I I have a number of different recipes, if you will, of tech, of effects that I have where it's a combination of like three or four different filters you would never think in a million years to combine. Yeah. You know, but I just it was a matter of me going in and trying these different things. And you have these little re- eureka moments and then you gotta, oh, I gotta write that down or anything like that. And it's just, you know, if I, if you, if you saw like little notepads I have that around my desk when I'm working, I'm making little notes and everything like that. It just, it, it is a complete mess, but obviously there's a method to the madness, you know, but, but that's, it's that line of thinking. You got to think it's almost like when I'm working on a project, I have two heads going on. I have one mind on the project. And if I'm working on a project and I see in the midst of that, that's a cool effect. Let me save that out. I'm going to use that for something later on. So it's just mm. a matter of of knowing when to see it. And it's it's learning how to see and recognize. That's one of the key things I always like to teach. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
moving on then you here you are now you're at, you're at Kelby one you're doing your thing there i i distinctly remember you know like there was there was always like a segment in the in the show that would go out every week where each of you would then be called upon to you know show a new technique that you wanted to kind of get to everybody that particular week now yours you kind of it was it was almost like a distinct moment in time when this started to happen because there you are doing all this stuff with the filters and then all of a sudden 3D is being talked about, which is kind of everywhere nowadays. But you were the guy that then started doing the techniques on 3D. And it got a bit of, um, uh, it wasn't taken seriously, I guess it's kind of fair to say, because it wasn't really the mainstream for people using Photoshop, I suppose. But you were there doing it and really trying to push it. What what was it about, or what is it? Because you're still doing it now, and we'll talk about that in a second. What is it about 3D then that's kind of grabbed you? One of the things is I always wanted to be, I was always blown away by 3D art, of course, you know, just to put it very simply. And I really wanted to be able to do those really kind of high-end 3D graphics, but I didn't have the resources at the time, or the patience, truthfully, to learn a full-blown 3D application like Cinema 4D or something like that. So yeah, when, yeah. I, when I first heard that uh, there was some 3D features coming to Photoshop, and this was CS3, was when it was first came out. Remember when I had extended Photoshop? Remember they yeah, they, yeah. they had that little experiment with that. <laughs> you know, I'm sure Adobe would like to forget that. But um, yeah. So so they rolled this out, and these features were few and limited, obviously. Um, and I remember talking to some folks at Adobe, and the whole point of it was for existing 3D artists. If you were somebody that already was using Cinema 4D or something like that, this was just a way for you to implement Photoshop as a uh, part of your workflow. It would be able to mm -hmm. open uh, 3D formatted objects and then you could uh, adjust lighting and texturing and stuff like that in Photoshop. So it really wasn't for the existing Photoshop designer to be able to say, hey, we can do 3D now. That wasn't the case. And then a couple versions later, they started allowing you to create primitive shapes. And then, of course, you could extrude text and everything like that. Now, I think that was due to a lot of, you know, backlash, maybe not necessarily negative backlash, but some backlash of designers saying, hey, we'd love to be able to use 3D, but we're not 3D experts here. What can you do for us? So they finally came through and, and implemented a lot of features that designers can really embrace now over the these last few features. And it's still, I guess it's, I won't say it's still looking for its place. It's just that uh, I think people, I, the, here's a simple problem. 3D carries a stigma, <laughs> 3D carries a stigma of being still very complicated, you know? Yeah, I'd yeah. agree with you. Yeah. Totally. So it tends to scare a lot of people off, you know, and I, I have people all the time, they'll email me and say, I'm loving these 3D, these 3D things you're doing. It's just, I need to learn 3D, 3D one day. It just, but people are still scared. Yeah. And of course, with this new thing I've got going on, the easy, it's going to be that much easier. We'll get into that uh, later. But, um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's evolving. Um, I, I wish I would, of course, like to have it evolved a little bit faster than it is, but it definitely is evolving as a viable part of the creative cloud workflow so yeah. yeah my attitude towards the 3d side of things now is that and i think initially when it first came out i was like okay that's that's a night that's nice that they've got that into into photoshop whatever but don't really think it's for me and then i was kind of seeing you doing some stuff and then you started doing effects that weren't necessarily design stuff you were actually using photographs and you were using putting things into a two-dimensional space and then I became friends with a guy called Uli Steiger. I think you know Uli as well, based over in Berlin, who does the most crazy, amazing art yeah. mm -hmm. with 3D. Really complex just composites, most, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just amazing. Mm -hmm. But obviously he uses Cinema 4D. Right. Um, but I, I'm kind of thinking now, the more that this kind of goes on now with this 3D, I'm starting to think that, and there probably some people who completely disagree with me, but we'll see in time. I think 3D is going to become something that photographers need to know just as just as another skill because it will become part of the workflow. Now, if you just, if somebody said that to me maybe five years ago, I'd have gone, nah, not a chance. But look at the things that we're now using day to day that a few years ago we'd have gone, nah, I'd never be doing that. All this kit and software that we think, no, there's no place for that. I don't think you can ever say that now. That'll never happen. It's more a case of when it happens. But honestly, I mean, we've spoken about this, I don't know, was it about a week or so ago now when we're talking about this thing that you keep alluding to? Um, and I, I was kind of seeing that my, I can see the benefit for me with 3D, looking ahead to what I do with my photography, because I've moved away from doing the compositing, is that 
when I'm looking to build a uh, a scene in a photograph, there could be some, for example, my World War II project that I'm working on, there could be some objects that I just simply cannot source. I can't, I can't either find them or they can be too expensive or it's just it's just not possible. But looking ahead, I'm thinking that is going to be possible with 3D because what's to say that if, if I needed something like, I don't know, something as simple as an ammunition box to be in the scene, not the main part, but it could be like in the background, to look a bit aged, that could be done in 3D. Taking it further, there could be a Spitfire in the, in the background. I know you've done pictures with Spitfires. That all could start to become part of something that you just take for granted. If I can't source it, I can make it. But my challenge is, and you've already said this, at the moment, I look at 3D and think, not a hope in hell. I don't, I don't understand the terminology. And I know, I know my way around Photoshop, but only within my world within Photoshop. So it's almost like going back to talking about feature films, you know, when you watch a movie, a World War Two movie that's made today, you know, virtually everything in there, the, even in most cases, the costumes are, are CG. You know, of course, the vehicles and the elements and like that. But you you don't think about that. It's like we talked about. It's like and it's, of course, the, the age old rule in Hollywood is that the best visual effects are the ones you don't notice. You know, and yeah, well, I, and, I can't believe how much is three is CGI yeah, and that, because and that's just I mean, it. You know, think about how many films you see, and you, if you go on YouTube and like look for behind the scenes videos, yeah, I do that. I do that. Yeah, you'll be blown away by you'll see scenes. It's like that was a composited shot, you know, something like that. Why, yeah, why yeah, didn't they just yeah. film it there? Why have that to right. make that? Yeah, so. But like film, you're going to have photographers. You're going to have the purists, of course, that, you know, say, you know, compositing everyone like that. If you're not doing it in the camera, it's it's not photography and like that. And it's just that's fine. There's always going to be that sect. You know, yeah, you've yeah. got you've got that in filmmaking, too. You've got your purist filmmakers and like that. But, yeah, I, I think the mentality of it, it started with feature films, with creating these scenes and these these visuals that you can't tell are real from anything. But that resources, those abilities of visual effects are coming down to the average user now. I mean, you're able to do with, with the resources of software and computer power you can buy at, for, for just residential work. You're doing, yeah. you're doing what Hollywood did 20 years ago in better yeah, yeah. in a lot of cases. That was one of the things, I guess, as a, as a budding filmmaker early in my, in my life before I went to art school is we didn't have cameras like you have today. I mean, we've got 1080 cameras on our phones now, you know, getting a video camera back when I was a kid was a little bit more challenging. So I didn't get to play around with a lot of filmmaking like that. So I guess, you know, the, this was kind of the next best thing for me was getting into the visual design aspect of it. And like you mentioned before, movie posters certainly became a key part of my inspiration. Mm. And that's because they encompass so many elements of design. But going back to photographers in 3D, I, yeah, I think they, it's important that they're at least familiar with it um, as part of the process. If they're going to direct mm. a shoot or anything like that. And not only as a final product, but there's certainly something to be said for pre-visualization using 3D software. I mean, I've talked about photographers about using Fuse characters. Now, Fuse is that, you know, that character right, modeler yeah. that's part of the, the creative cloud. And you can actually bring in those 3D characters into Photoshop and do lighting tests. I've actually done things where I'll put position lights around a subject and you can create rim lighting of certain things like that. You can actually do... This is like, have you, have you heard of that software called Light? Uh, no, set, it's, a... it's called set a light as opposed to burn set a light mm -hmm. set a light 3d and it's um it's a bit of software for photographers that you have on your computer and you can like drag into a virtual studio space you can drag different lights in and it can be branded lights and income pro photo yeah. and then bring a person in and then put the settings in and see how that is affecting mm -hmm. uh, what the what the, the lighting's like on the yeah, person, yeah. but that is like what you're saying there. That's pretty much fuse. Yeah, I mean that's and that's one of the another thing that had its early days in feature films. They would pre-visualize complex action scenes and such like that with very basic figures, but they're also doing that with the lighting, so that because a lot of scenes that are going to be encompassing a CG character, they need to capture the lighting in the scene, and that, so those principles still apply. So yeah, I mean it, it's another way of. Using the tools, again, thinking about Fuse and things like that, using the tools in a way that weren't necessarily marketed as, you know, right. I mean, it's like they, the, the demonstrations I've seen using Fuse are charming. I'm, I mean, I want to stop, but, um, you're being but very polite. Yeah, being very polite. <laughs> but, um, but as a, if you look at it differently as a, as a, 
as a pre-visualization tool or something like that. Just seeing how the technology can help you, uh, I think is, and that's another thing I think the photographers need to take a second look at, uh, something like uh, Photoshop 3D, um, because I've done things like, you know, complex reflections that could be very, very difficult with, you know, getting a camera close up on a subject and not getting things in the in the reflection yeah, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So there's just a number of things that you can do visually with the lighting and 3D objects that you just simply can't do in reality. Um, one of the things I always talk about is I'll do an effect, and there's actually, with lights in Photoshop, for instance, with 3D lights, you can actually turn off, you can have a light on a scene that doesn't cast shadows. You can't do that in reality. So, <laughs> you can, I mean, a light in reality is going to cast a shadow, whether you like it or not. So you've got to compensate for that with more lights and such like that. So there's just some yeah. advantages to that. And like I said, it can be used as a finishing element or as a pre-visualization element. It has many uses, depending on what your goal is. So, yeah. All right, so let's let's go... I'm wondering how far you're prepared to talk about this because I because I did when we when we talked about this little thing let's say little thing this thing that you're now working on uh-huh. um, which is is going to be quite an eye opener and I think it's going to actually open up 3D for a lot more people. How much can you how much can you talk about it without giving up too much away? Ah, uh, can I say it's a game changer? Because nobody's no. doing. You've explained to me nobody's doing what you you are about to do. No, nobody is, and I and I I'm not saying that in a boastful way. I did considerable amount of research, thinking you know this is too cool. Somebody has to have figured this out. <laughs> Somebody's got to do yeah, it first. So, but but and but some have, but. Not to the level I'm pushing it, and, and I will, and I'm I'm not going to hide it too much, you know, because I've got uh, I'm, I'm about to roll this out, but it's a it's a new um, 3D workflow using Photoshop and Dimension, which was that new software that rolled out a year ago uh, at the last Adobe Max, um, which is included within the it Creative is part Cloud. of the Creative Cloud. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. indeed, yeah. it is, and uh, it was originally marketed out as a 3D. It's really kind of a an assembly room where you can bring in 3D objects and dress them with uh, with textures and everything like that. But here's the one thing that the Dimensions really got. It's got a lot of great things going for it. But one thing that's really strong is that it's got a powerful V-Ray render engine built into it, which is something right. way more powerful than what's in Photoshop. So I figured out a way to be able to create 3D elements in Photoshop because Dimension does not let you do that. It only lets you bring in 3D. Okay. Uh, and then you can do these things. You can't create text. You can't create your custom elements and like that. But you can do that in Photoshop and then bring those elements into Dimension. Now, a couple of things I discovered. Not only is the renderer giving me results I have been searching for for quite some time, I am blown away about how easy it is. The process... Yeah, but that, is this Corey Barker saying how no, easy no, it is? No, no, no. This is partially, <laughs> partially. Um but no, it's you're you're gonna be the results you're getting and the steps it takes to get there will blow your mind uh, versus what you would be doing in a complex 3D application. Um, for a while there, I, I had to do I had to spend hours we're doing test after test because it was one of those things where I'm like this can't be that easy. I'm trying this and that and everything like that and I'm I'm, I'm trying to for, for for instance right um I I was. <laughs> I was watching. To be I, 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 all right, no. So I was watching. Uh, I'm a big NFL fan here in the states, of course. You know, you guys, you guys have some NFL games over there in the UK. Um, but I, of course, I like watching the this, the the football games, and they've got a lot of great motion graphics and 3D graphics during the games and during the pregame show and everything like that. And I was really struck by how cool the 3D graphics are like that. And I've been trying to get a look like that for years. And there's this one segment in ESPN where they do this kind of cool text effect on Monday Night Football. And I was like, I've never, never really had any success with just Photoshop getting that look. I'm just like, and I eventually just gave up on it. I was like, clearly I'm not going to get that look unless I learn like Cinema 4D or something like that. So yeah, I was just yeah. like, I was like, oh, forget it. But then I, there was an update that rolled out for Dimension and it allowed the importing of 3D objects, expanded the importing capabilities of, of 3D objects, uh, including ones from Photoshop. And then I started playing with it, and I was just like, I wonder if I took one of my old designs that I did in 3D in Photoshop and just brought it in naked, if you will, without any texture or anything like that, and then bring it in Dimension and, and try using that. And I started doing this, and I clicked and added a texture and everything like that, and then added another texture. I'm like, that looks kind of cool. And then, then I started to render, and then I just kind of walked away and let it render out, and I came back, and I just kind of sat there, draw, dropped. I'm just like, there it is. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> I wish people could see your face now. Yeah, It just, it was one of those things where it's been a while since I've had a moment where I'm like, wow, 
I mean, when you know, when yeah. you, when you when you impress yourself, you know, I know that's weird to say, but you know, it's just like <laughs> when you look back and you go, "What? What is that?" So that is that was just a tipping point, you know. And then I started digging in. I'm like, and then I started going after looking back at all. I keep this inspiration file on my computer. I see a graphic online or something like that. I'll do a screen grab and yes, throw it. Yeah. <laughs> throw it in my little idea box. So I went back in there and started looking at all these ones I'd uh, collected over the past couple of years and thought, you know, just cool, inspiring images. I saw the whole bunch of 3D logos and effects and things like that. I started trying all these out and they kept working out. I was just like, I'm getting this look every each and every time between these two programs. And that's when it just made me think, OK, I think I'm on to something here. But then that's when I was thinking, I can't be the only one who has thought of this, of doing it this way. Um, but at the same time, I'm thinking there's not a whole lot of 3D resources in Photoshop in general anyway. So there, it, the, so I looked up the few people I thought would be kind of, you know, experimenting with this sort of thing. Nothing, not, not at all. And I just did a general search, YouTube, Google, I just did it. Did it and it's, it's almost like I'm the one and the only one in the room that's looked, noticed it and looking around. It's going, your calling. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> So I'm hoping so, of course, but, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, so that really led me to do, I'm doing a whole new design series uh, for my site, Master Effects Training. I'm doing a whole, um, Photoshop and Dimension ma uh, design effects series, and that's what I'm going to be rolling out, uh, here in the next uh, couple of weeks is a new course on that. So, uh, but yeah, it's, but you are, the, there, there is the other thing you've been working on, which is what I kind of like said to Corey, you've got to yeah. do this. Yeah. And I think in a, in a way I kind of suggested it selfishly yeah. because I want to learn 3D I, yeah. I really do want to learn it and add that to my skill set yes and yeah. I, was, I was I was kind of saying to you look you know sounds brilliant this thing with dimension yeah but you know I, I need to know the basics of 3D surely before I can go into dimension so I said if only somebody would write the kind of course where they're literally taking people by the hand from day one with 3D I wonder who that could possibly be who could do that and who <laughs> That is actually <laughs> happening. Um, that is happening. It is happening, yes. Uh, probably looking for, the, after the first of the year, I'm going to roll out a new... Uh, Brilliant. I'm gonna, for, for, it's a working title now, but it's going to be sort of a master class. You're going to be yeah. from, like you say, or it's going to be straight from the beginning. I don't know anything about 3D. By the time you're done with this class, you're going to be able to do uh, the high-level looking 3D stuff that uh, that you're going to be seeing coming from this. Uh, from Fantastic. Well, that'll, that'll, be my, that'll be my little project then yeah, or yeah. another project i seem to be adding projects as the days go by but that'll be my little extra little thing to escape and try and learn mm -hmm. throughout 2019 then i'll tell you one one thing we should do and again it's just it's time because obviously time is always a challenge for all of us but with my uh world war ii series as i'm built we're building bigger pictures with that i'd love to be able to create one of these pictures and then give it to you and say put an object in there and then we won't say a word. And then just to see what people say about the picture, to but, see if anybody goes, well, that ain't real. Yeah, we'll spot the fake you know, element. I'd love yeah, just, yeah, 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 just just something. Is there something we could do? Yeah. Something as simple as ever to put into the scene, to show that, if anything, to say, look, this, this is where 3D can help you. Rather than talking about it, actually showing a picture. Because, I mean, I, taking it to the, the most basics, and it's not even 3D when I mention this now, but... I started doing pictures with the grey paper. I, I now use canvases from a company called Gravity Backdrops. I love the canvases they make. But I would use grey paper and then add textures and put them onto it. And I was always getting people saying, blimey, where, you know, where the hell did you get that background from? Where did you buy it from? I'm thinking, it's just grey paper that I've photographed the pavement outside and just put that onto the grey paper with an overlay blend mode. Yeah. So people were saying that that was realistic. It's going to happen with the 3D stuff. People oh, yeah. are going to say, oh, where did you get that object from? Or where did you get, where were you able to shoot with that plane? And yeah. that's what's going to happen. For definite, that's going to happen. And that's why things like Dimension are going to be a big resource for that. Because not just what you can do with, between the programs, Photoshop and Dimension, but the massive library uh, and continuing to grow library they have of 3D objects on Adobe Stock. They have a massive library, and it, and it's just like you're saying. If you need a prop, you know, there's this particular prop you don't have uh, access to, or you just you know have don't don't have the right angle shot for it, or anything like that. You're gonna have that resource to be able to not only bring in a stock element, but also yeah. position it and light it any way you want. You know, even after the fact. You know, so and it's like I say in some of my tutorials, 
you're almost a photographer and the designer at the same time. You're not only you're just sitting there compositing, designing it, but you're also lighting the scene as well, just as you would uh, on the actual actual photo shoot. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And this is why I think, as far as the lighting aspect goes, photographers will find it a little easier to pick up the three D um, the three D tools because they understand uh, lighting the scene. Yeah. The principle is no different in the digital realm. It's just knowing the te- getting around the technical aspect of it and being yeah, able to do that. exactly that. that. And yeah. it's the terminology as well, which I just can't yeah. seem to get to stick in their head. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that is an age thing. I don't know. No. I hope no. not. <laughs> right. Please, let's, don't, let's take a please quick, don't say it. Let's, <laughs> you're younger. Yeah. Let's just take a, a quick uh, change what we're doing now and just bring in something that we do with every single person that we get on <laughs> and this is the thing I kind of alluded to very very briefly at the start the loves and the loads ah here we go right so what I'm going to do then is just ask you two things what do you love about what you do the industry whatever the first thing that comes to mind is say what do you love about this whole world that we're involved in this creative world and then what do you loathe or what do you dislike what would you change so let's start off on a positive although they're both done with a positive spin mm-hmm. what do you really love about what you do the industry whatever what's the first thing that comes to mind first thing well the first word that comes to mind is well, actually two it's creativity and discovery but there's a second part of it especially since i've gotten this industry is the net the, the friends i've made the the, the connections right uh, yeah. I've made friends all over the world at this point, you know, and, and I cherish every one of them because uh, everyone does something different. And this is something, especially when you're an artist and the more you, the more relationships you have with a variety of people that have different styles and ways they approach their, their creativity. You know, we like to say creativity is a general thing, but everybody treats it differently and, and looks at it differently. And I'm very interested with, uh, I think it's helped me as an artist, uh, understanding where other people are coming from and everything. You respect, you know, it's like we, we mentioned Aaron Blaze earlier. I, I'm still in awe. I mean, I've been for Aaron, Aaron, friend with Aaron for years, and I'm still blown away every time I see something he does. It, it, it's just, it's just, I'll never be at his level. But the fact that the, but what he inspires me to do is, is to, to dig deep and, and a little bit more creative with what I do. You know, yes, uh, yeah. It, it, it feeds off that, you know. So he's he's really encouraged me to experiment more in Photoshop because um, for for part of the the new book that came out, there's one section on brushes, and Aaron contributed to the book mm-hmm. by uh, sending over uh, to me a little video showing how he creates a brush to simulate the look of fur or hair, and I'm watching Aaron do the video, and then I'm having to do those steps to put them as written format in the book. And my first time that I'm following his steps, the very first time I go step by step by step and I draw exactly what Aaron says. And I'm thinking, where the hell is this going? Mine looks nothing like what he did. And then all of a sudden there's this last step when he goes into the brush engine and he says, now go to the scattering slider and increase the scattering. And I'm like, and as I did that, all of a sudden this odd shape that he kind of instructed me to draw suddenly became fur. And I was like, holy crap yeah. that is amazing and i literally did i've sat in my on my own in this little office here and i went oh my god i was like some little kid getting all excited it's like a bob ross moment <laughs> you're watching bob ross when he does a little stream with a with a giant house brush and you're like what what did i just see are you kidding me <laughs> happens every time yeah exactly yeah, but yeah but but going back to the yeah to the question yeah it's yeah it's the discovery and creativity that that really drives me, but being inspired by those I have met and respect over the years has certainly uh, yeah, has been a cool. big part of oh, it. Sure, yeah, that's a good answer. I like that one. All right, and so yeah. let's flip the coin then. Uh, now the lows, and this doesn't this doesn't kind of say right. What do you really hate? Mm. You know, moan or anything like. That. It's a, it's a kind of like what if anything? What don't you like, and what would you change about it? Hmm. What don't I like? I don't. I it don't, can be anything. I don't like deadlines. <laughs> All right. I know, it's something very, very simple for an artist. But yeah, I um, I do and I don't like deadlines. I, but I will, I will say this. You know, you know what I do like. Uh, what I do and don't like are limited resources. But th- this is why they. It's a good thing and a bad thing. Um, <laughs> obviously, I've met people over the years that you know they they think if they just buy the right gear, you know, this as a photographer, if they buy the right gear, they're automatically going to be good at something. And yeah. it's not the case with even with even with being an artist, you're not all the all the money in the world isn't going to buy you the creativity you're looking for. You've got to 
want it. And you've got to limit your resources to the point where you've got to figure out how to do it creatively. That's what creativity is, is figuring something out without everything you need when you don't have everything you need to do it. So you find different ways to do it. You find creative ways to do things. So that, that in itself, I think is, is a key point. But another thing I'll say um, that I don't, I do and don't like at the same time is how fast things change in the industry. Um, I do like innovation. I like new technology that really helps me uh, do a better job. But at the same time, I want to slow down and fine tune my craft. You know, and it feels like yes. and I know this. I know this is, this applies to you with photography as well. Just when you feel like you've got a handle on something, here comes yeah. another tool or another, you know, lens or something like that. That's yeah, gonna make yeah, it that yeah, much yeah. And you got to relearn it or redo it. And I'm like, and that's a good and a bad thing because you just figured this out. Now I got to figure this yeah. out. You know, J- Jason Levine. Um, he alluded to that when we interviewed him uh, a few weeks back now, and that was one of the. In fact, that was the thing that he said he didn't like and he would change is the fact that because everything is so. It's so quick and things are sent out and updated so often these days. He said now he's finding that, let's say if he's doing a tutorial, he's trying to show something to an audience, they'll go, and here's this, I'm going to show this technique. And then somebody's thinking, well, yeah, I know that was introduced yesterday. What else have you got for me that's new? Yeah. Well, there's this. Yeah, yeah, I know about that. What else have you got that's new? And it kind of creates that people wanting more and more and more new stuff when really... They haven't even mastered the stuff that's been out for a while. People like being wowed by new technology. When we, we, you know, that's the generation we live in, you know. I mean, Steve Jobs started that kind of, you know, we're, we're, we're wowed by technology and we want to be caught up in the new things. Phones have certainly done that. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but you're right. It's People aren't giving themselves a chance to respect and, you know, master the, what, what's there. You know, just because, just, because the, just because the newness wore off of it. It's not novel anymore. It doesn't mean it's not valuable. There are things they've yeah, ta- yeah. there are things they've taken out of Photoshop over the past several years. I've been very upset about, you know. But because they decide nobody's using it, or not enough people are using it, or they need the room to make code, you know, need the code room to make room for a new fe- another new feature or something like that. I don't refine know. edge. Yeah. 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 I loved refine edge. However, you can get it back, can't you? Yeah. Well, I I like the original <laughs> refine edge. Yeah, refine yeah. edge. Yeah. Go to the select menu. Hold down the hold shift down key the and shift press. Key. Yeah. yeah, there's for, a little for the tip legacy there. for the legacy refine edge. I do it all. <laughs> yeah. I do it all the time because yes, that is a feature that was updated. I'm like, this isn't working like it did before. I liked what it did before i'm, I'm just, hoping i'm hoping adobe know that that little way of getting the legend the sort of um the old way the legacy version is i hope they know that's there and they've not forgotten about well, it i'm sure go, they ah, do let's get I actually, the last max i was at i actually showed it in a class uh, oh, i right, did cool. a selection okay. trick and i was just like i prefer to use the legacy feature here's how you get to it and <laughs> yeah. i know there was a do- adobe people in the room i don't know if they said they didn't say anything to me but it's just but it's yeah still it's still there just, but yeah. you know i mean i will be honest there was a time and i know you, we talked about this earlier when the versions would come out you know, every 18 18 24 months we'd get a new version of photoshop everybody couldn't wait we were in line at the computer store when, yeah, when, yeah. before you were downloading it remember those days um, we bought the box with the disc and everything, but um, was that was that the time when you actually owned the software? Yeah. Oh no, yeah, it wasn't. Was course, it? No. Yeah, yeah. End user license. That's, yeah. that's the people under. Yeah, you own you own the disc. It's, that's that that it's on. Um, yeah. I don't. I, I'm going to I'm going to jump in there because I don't know if you. I've actually written this down here. You've. I've got a quote from you which I'm going to nick, and I'm going to. Oh, but I'll put your name against it. All the money in the world won't give you creativity. You've got to want it. Yeah. Corey Barker. I like that. <laughs> How cool is that? Ah, you, I like you that. You pulled that out of there? Wow, okay. Yeah, that's it what is, you said. It is all you too true. That. That, yeah, no, it's true, though. No, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. All yeah. right, well, listen, I, I wanna, we've, we've talked about the thing that I really wanted to... You've, you've alluded to it. Hmm. We've talked about it a little bit. Yeah. The thing I really wanted to get out of you. It has been fascinating finding out how you've kind of gone from ringling and then all of a sudden here you are you've obviously now moved on from kelby one you've got your um master effects website which you've mentioned about having new stuff what what's uh i'm gonna ask you now where where can people find you social media websites and stuff like that all right as you mentioned my site my main site is masterfxtraining.com that's where my main training site is you can find a lot of the more recent uh training material that i've been doing and of course that is where my new stuff that's coming out here in the next few weeks will be available as well. And of course I'm on social media. I'm at uh, Facebook and Instagram at Corey PS 3d. 
cool. pro- appropriate enough. And that's the same on Twitter as well. Uh, so yeah. I'm very, very much, I mean, I've been really heavy on Instagram lately. So uh, that's where I've been putting a lot of. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm preferring yeah, Instagram. Yeah. It seems like a happier place to hang out. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot less judgmental people there. <laughs> at least, <laughs> at least, at least there, at least there appears, appears to be, you know. So once we get past yeah. election day, you know, maybe we'll see everything, you know. So, <laughs> I was, I was going to say to you, and what's next for Corey Bucker? But we know what's coming next because I've been trying to get it out of you a little bit more there. But yeah. it's actually, actually made me think of one thing. I've written it down here, mate, is the fact that I know for a couple of years or so, we've been trying to get you over. Let's get an excuse for getting you over mm. to come and do some kind of training, some seminars, some workshops over in the UK. Sure. You getting that new 3D thing out and then showing how relevant and how much more easy and accessible and understandable it's going to be for not just designers, but for photographers. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think that once that tutorial is out, I think that is a time that we need to start thinking about getting you over in 2019 mm-hmm. because it's okay watching it, but also to be able to get access to you, to see your show, you know, face to face and doing this live, I think would be a really, really good thing. So we need to talk about getting you over for that. It'd be great, yeah, to actually take the time to really kind of pour it out of out of my head, if you will, and right well, on. That seems like that's the, that seems like a real yeah. focus yeah. on what because we talked before about doing like a joint thing, didn't we? Where I'd right. be doing the photography, you'd be doing the retouching, mm. but it kind of never come off. And I'm actually now that we're talking about this. I think this is the reason why you should be coming over. Mm-hmm. So we've we've got to talk about this off air to yeah. try and look at organising that. So, and I'll hold you to that. It's now on tape, on tape. What am I saying? It's now been recorded. We call it, we call it tape. We still say when we're shooting video with our phones, we still say we're filming something. So I don't, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just the terminology now. So it is, it is. mate. Listen, I've I've kept you long enough. I know you've had a busy day. Uh, I'm now going to go and watch a program called Antiques Roadshow and anybody in the UK will think I'm alright old fuddy-duddy so I'm going to go and watch that but I'm now going to go and watch the Antiques Roadshow hey, it's, it's, popular, only because, it's popular over here only too be- well it, it's because of um, the episode that was out recently was to do with World War One, so it's World War One. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to have a look yeah. at that as well so mate Excellent. as always an absolute pleasure anytime of course uh, and I know that we're over uh, was it May time April May time we're back over we'll be in Florida so if we don't see you before, we'll definitely be seeing you then. Absolutely. We'll definitely catch up when we're out there. Absolutely. Uh, but looking forward to it. And I'm, let's keep keep in touch about this pack, this new tutorial thing. This big thing's going to be launched in the new I'm, year. I'm very excited about this. This is, this is I've been looking, how's it going to reinvent itself? You know, 3D and yeah. everything like that. I think I finally found that. So I'm very, very excited about it. Hope everybody enjoys it. So. Well, if anybody can, you can, mate. So Appreciate nice it. one. Cheers, Corey. Great. Thank you. Three, two. One. Oh, you're drinking. <laughs> I'm just thinking about you saying that then. Sorry. I want you to be ready. I think got... <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it, but he died in the end. Uh, that'll get us taken off the air. Uh, right. <laughs> 